0: Happy Monday, y'all. So I'm not going to lie to you. I have been scraping the bottom of the barrel looking for other stories to not have to talk about this one, but we do need to talk about it. And that would be the border bill. Discussing the going-ons of the Hill is not a favorite of mine. I much prefer to stick to significant culture issues, but over the last couple weeks, this bill has been a culture issue, which is why we are going to talk about it, because frankly, we should all know what it is and what is going on. So with all of that, I am your host Noelle. This is Just Say No. Let's get into it. All right, so let me start off by saying that this bill has been shot down, but the competing narratives are still flying around. And especially considering the fact that it is an election year, it's important to get this straight. So we are covering it anyways. And let me follow that up by saying that this is being touted as a border bill and while there are border provisions in it it is also a foreign aid bill and a drug trafficking bill there are many 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 sections it is over 300 pages long and not all of it not even most of it is about our border crisis so the reason it's being sold as a border bill is because it has become an undeniable fact that the vast majority of American people are concerned with the border. And for the last three years, the Biden administration has denied that there is a problem at all. But now, Here we are, in election year 2024, and they are sort of forced to do something. So the game plan seems to be to make a mega bill filled with crap that is not exactly helpful. And then when Republicans don't vote for it, be able to say, see, we tried to pass this bill and the border is now the Republicans' fault. (laughs) Isn't politics so much fun? This is, I'm having a blast. So first things first, I am sick of these mega bills. And I would much prefer single issue bills. Now, granted, there are cons to that, which I do understand. The biggest being that it would discourage compromise in Congress, meaning that if a bill came up for a vote on a single issue, whatever side of the aisle that is trying to pass it would almost have to have the majority because there is no countervailing items to persuade other members. Now, I think on the flip side of that, however, that could be good for airing out dirty laundry, for lack of a better phrase, I think about the um, Israel aid package that I cannot remember who proposed it, but the Republicans proposed um, an aid bill for Israel, and they were saying, we'll take the funding from all of this excessive funding in the IRS. And the Democrats shut it down because they didn't want to because they claimed that they didn't wanna have to take the funding from the IRS. So then the Republicans re-proposed this bill saying, okay, well then we just don't take the funding from the IRS. This is just a straightforward single item. Let's just do this one thing kind of bill. And so the Democrats were either forced to pass it or deal with the optics of not passing it because they didn't have something else to fall back on and be like, well, we didn't pass it because of this or whatever. So there are two sides of the same coin in that regard. Now, I don't even necessarily think that we need single item bills though. I think that we just need bills that aren't hundreds of pages, that most congressmen are only given a day or two to read before they vote on it, and that are written in jargon that the average American may not grasp. They should be short enough and simple enough to be comprehensible to an average American and not as muddled as they often are. There should never be a strong debate about what a bill does or does not do. That's insane. It should be clear cut. It should be obvious. There should not be like a, well, technically it does this or technically it does. No, there should not be a technically. It should be clear. So to the bill. While there are portions that address the border that we will get into, there are also portions that send $60 billion to Ukraine or 14 billion to Israel or nearly 10 billion to the West Bank. And just so we are clear on that, the West Bank is still in fact governed by terrorists. So anything labeled humanitarian aid will in fact be intercepted and used for terrorism. Now there is a provision that a report must be made back to Congress on how much of it is intercepted because they are literally anticipating that. However, um, one, I suspect that this report would come from the terrorists and therefore might be a little bit skewed. And two, there aren't any ramifications. So if seventy percent of the funds are taken, there is no provision that says, okay, now we stop sending now we stop sending funds. Um so that's Wild, but I digress. Um, let's total all of this though really quick. That's nearly eighty five billion dollars going overseas to wars that we are not in. And how much do they allocate for our border? Twenty billion. Which for the record? That twenty billion. Part of it goes towards training for um for our border patrol agents and that includes uh DEI training and environmental training um right right priorities looking at this Ukraine alone would receive three times as much as our own border but yes Republicans only said no to this bill because Donald Trump told them to And now, I'm not necessarily against funding allies, as there is an American interest in keeping governments such as the Chinese and the Russians at bay. However, as Jordan Peterson once said, clean your own room before worrying about the rest of the world. And right now, our room is in shambles. All right, so the foreign aid aside, because we can't just have a bill reach the floor without the promise of billions of dollars going overseas, um, and the drug trafficking aside, the policies on the border itself are highly debated. Now, I am not a congressman. Bills are difficult to understand, and everyone has an angle that they are trying to sell, so I'm going to do my best, but my comments are open. If I misportray something, leave it in the comments, and if you're going to debate someone in the comments, just do it respectfully. Now, there's a lot of talk about the 5,000 people a day thing. So from what I can gather, a large part of the issue is if it is 5,000 crossings or 5,000 encounters, which could mean people approaching the border and being turned away. Now, if we have the border patrol agents and they have the right and the ability to turn these illegal crossers away, and if it is encounters, not crossings, then I think that is okay. However, I'm not quite so sure that that's the case. So, essentially, this provision, which can be found starting on page 212, you are welcome. I found page numbers to make your life easier for you so that you can go look at this and read it for yourself. And you don't have to rely on a 24-year-old woman to tell you what bills are being passed by your government. You can thank me for this by giving the show a rating and a follow Anyways, this provision states that if there are seven consecutive days of more than 4,000 encounters, the secretary can invoke an emergency shutdown. And speaking of the secretary, quick interjection because this just came out the day before I recorded this. The Republicans have impeached Mayorkas. Does this mean anything? Unlikely. But it is worth worth throwing that in, in here at this point. So anyways... So at 4,000, the secretary can invoke the emergency shutdown, but if that number reaches 5,000 a day for seven days or one day alone reaches 8,500, the secretary is then mandated to shut it down. But here's where it gets interesting. First, this only applies to people coming in in between ports of entry. So presumably if they use a port, which has become incredibly lax on who they let in, they don't count it towards this number. And on one hand, this does make sense because ports are used for legal entries. However, does that mean that they can just send the illegal crossers who are trying to cross in between ports to a port and that is a loophole? questions to have. Second, this is only in place for three years. And each year, you get less and less time to be able to enact this policy. So for year one, the secretary has 270 calendar days. Year two, he has 225. And by year three, he only has 180. However, The Secretary must stop this action if, for seven consecutive days, the level of entry is only 75% of what it started at, meaning if we had 5,000 encounters and it dropped down to around 3,700, the shutdown would be required to end. So 3,700 is okay. 5,000 is entirely too much. Uh, These numbers are arbitrary and do nothing, and they mean nothing. And if we truly wanted to stop the crisis, they would reenact the stay in Mexico policy But that is clearly not the goal, ladies and gentlemen. But that is not all, folks. The president holds the power to halt this shutdown for up to 45 days. The requirements for taking such action, if he deems it to be of national security. So if the president deems it to be of national security, to open the border, he can shut down the emergency shutdown that was in place because we were having too many people cross the border. It makes sense. Next. Let's talk about catch and release because that's a biggie, right? A lot of senators have said that this bill is going to end catch and release. To quote, to quote Kristen Sinema herself, she said, quote, our border bill ends catch and release. I mean, the verbatim. But if you are following along, we are now in section 235B, picking up on page 116. This is referring to non-custodial proceedings, meaning how you how to handle people who are not being held. The text says, "If the alien," side note, in what world is the word alien less offensive than, say, um, illegal? Because in my mind, alien feels a little bit demeaning. Whereas illegal is just, hey, you took an action that was in, that that was illegal. You, this is illegal. What you have done. I digress. So continuing on, the text says, if the alien indicates an intention to apply for protections or if they express a credible fear of prosecution, which sorry, we we are gonna keep getting sidetracked because sidetracked because. Maybe I'm making this too simple, but are we fact-checking these claims or expressions? Or can anyone just come and say, I'm scared of being killed by the cartel, and then they just get let into the country? What, what's, the, what's the protocol? What are we doing here? Getting back on track, once again, it says, aliens referred for proceedings under this section will be released from physical custody. Point blank. So, what that means is if the illegal crosser says that they intend to apply, they intend to apply for protections, or if they express a credible fear of prosecution from their home country, they will be released from physical custody. Now, this is supposed to be done through things such as ankle bracelets or what have you, but I am just not getting the impression that that is what is happening. So all of this is, means that they will continue to do whatever it is that they have been doing. It changes essentially nothing. And then they will point fingers and blame Trump for not passing their border security bill, even though their border security bill did not secure the border. But this takes us nicely into asylum. If you flip in your bill book to page 203, section 3202, you'll see that there is a definition change from having a significant possibility to a reasonable possibility of harm. So all of the boasting about making seeking asylum harder is just not true. Now, there is an added provision that if implemented would be good, which is that asylum seekers now have to provide reasonable grounds As to why they can't relocate in their home country or elsewhere. Meaning, why do you have to come to the U.S. to be safe? And this takes me back to my earlier point of um, how do we or are we fact-checking? Are we just taking these people for their word? Uh, What's just a leap of faith? Personally, I'm not feeling very faithful. Okay. So, as I said... This one provision would be good if we actually implemented what it means to seek asylum. But most of the time, this is just a loophole. Taking us back to the top, anybody who says that they are going to be applying for protections essentially just gets released into the country. So it all just kind of ends up canceling itself out. So... That is the research that I did. Again, this bill is over 300 pages and um, not all of it is about the border. So those were the, those, were the, those were the parts that I felt were of most importance. And if the Democrats want to put it on Republicans for not passing their quote, border bill, we should know what it is, at least somewhat. And hopefully I have given you that to the best of my abilities. So, moving on, this is just a really, really quick um, story because, as you guys know, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. And when The Mandalorian came out, I absolutely loved it, much like everyone else on planet Earth. And one important character from that show was played by none other than Gina Carano, who later got canned for having a slightly public, slightly conservative viewpoints. Go figure. Now, if you're aware of the story, then you know that she found a new home at Daily Wire, who has a tendency to take in the lost and weary children of Hollywood, and that has been going very well for her. She did recently come out and announce that she is teaming up with none other than Elon Musk, who is doing the absolute most these days. The absolute most. And she is suing Disney and Lucasfilms. In a lengthy post, she spoke about her name was essentially besmirched for doing essentially nothing wrong but the woke mob got their eyes set and gina was a casualty of war for lack of a better term and apparently a couple months ago seemingly before the whole go f yourself bob incident elon had tweeted um saying that saying to reach out to him if you had been fired for using x presumably meaning if you got fired over a tweet let's chat so Gina tweeted and responded and said, I think I meet the criteria or something like that. And she was contacted by a lawyer who reviewed her case and thinks that she actually has a solid standing. So so who knows what the outcome will be. These kinds of stories tend to fall flat, frankly, but we love the effort. We love to see the effort being made um, because people are really sick of this nonsense. The policing of thoughts, words, ideas, its it's insane. And we have let it... And we've let it go for entirely too long. So I'm excited to see what will come of it. But let me know what your thoughts are in the comments. And speaking of comments, we have one more story to talk about today. Uh, so the Super Bowl was last week. And <laughs> there's, there's entirely too much to cover. So we're going to focus on one thing. And that's going to be the Jesus commercial. That's, that's going to be the Jesus commercial. So, if you're unfamiliar with what I'm talking about, an organization called He Gets Us paid the whopping $7 million to have a 30-second Super Bowl commercial, and it depicted people washing the feet of those that they would typically be disagreeing with. Very emblematic of how Jesus washed feet, and he associated with those who were considered uncleaned, and he dined with sinners. Now. We had a strong theme last week of conservatives being hypercritical and borderline lunatics. And here we are again, (laughs) just picking the absolute wrong battles. So I looked into this organization and I do not completely agree with their stances. I think that they are wishy-washy and it definitely is a left-wing group trying to paint Jesus as a sort of -of middle-of-the-ground fellow. And um, the ad itself certainly had a left-wing tilt. This can be seen through the abundance of white folks washing the feet of those deemed to be societal victims. And there wasn't never, there was any point where there was a person of color washing the feet of, like, a Trump supporter or something like that. Like, it was not um, even-handed. And so I think right out of the gate, this ad was rubbing people the wrong way however that's not the point point. and if that is your takeaway i think that you are looking and focusing on the wrong thing jesus preached love and i'm seeing a lot of christians on x attacking this ad and using language that is very reminiscent of things that pharisees would say when jesus would do things such as heal on Sabbath, or dine with tax collectors, or I'm seeing people say that it was wrong to spend that much money on an ad for Jesus, or that this is a psyop to convince Christians that Jesus is okay with sin, or the craziest of all, that we somehow aren't called to love our enemy. And it breaks my heart a little bit, because this is the sort of reaction that turns people off from religion. And I know, I know that some people aren't going to like to hear that. Because it sounds like I'm trying to make Jesus into something that he wasn't. But I'm not. Because with all of this in consideration, here is my bottom line. Exposure to Jesus is a good thing. Having his name on the television for millions of Americans to see is a good thing. And I think that Christians are looking at this ad thinking that it was made for them and it wasn't. This ad is not made for Christian conservatives. This ad is made for secular leftists. Let me explain. Some of those people who saw this ad might look into this group, see what it's about, which, like I said, is pretty wishy-washy in their portrayal of Jesus and may at times be inaccurate with their portrayal. But they do have one thing right, Jesus is for everyone. And some people who might look into this group might see something that they can relate to. And maybe that feeling of relation will spark the Holy Spirit inside of them. And they might take it a step further and say a prayer. And then they might take it a step further than that and read the Bible. And hopefully then they can start Asking questions and having community because it is through reading the Bible, through reading the Gospels, that you start to better know and understand who Jesus actually is. Not who some half-willed group or organization has portrayed him to be. And it's the beginning of building a relationship with him, which does not happen overnight. And the right-wing reaction to this ad was so antithetical to what Christianity is. You do not quit sinning in order to follow Jesus. You follow Jesus and then you start losing the desire to sin because you are filled with something greater. And even then, we are all human and we still sin and that is why he died on the cross. You don't accept the sin, but you still love the sinner. But the reactionaries made it seem as if this ad was blasphemous for inviting the sinners to the table. There's been so much hate surrounding this ad. And I do, to a certain extent, understand. But I think that as Christians, we need to take a step back and realize this ad is not for us. This ad, while maybe it wasn't the intention of the group that made it, I don't know what their intention was. Their intention could could possibly just be to have a wishy-washy Jesus- And what have you. But it opens the gate. It opens the gate to the potential of some people finding the true Jesus. Some people having a real relationship with him. And to see that as anything other than glorious, I think we're looking at it wrong. And at the end of it, I just wish that the right would pick their battles better. Because this was not the one. All right, um, got a little bit heavy at the end, but you guys, I can't it really upset me to see the reaction to this to this ad. And as I already said, I to an extent I can understand it, but I just think that we're missing the bigger picture here. But that is all for this episode, you guys. Thank you so much for listening to me for yet another week. I really appreciate it. Wherever you are listening, please do the thing that you are supposed to do to support me and support this channel. If you're listening on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel and like the video. If you got a little bit of extra time on your hands, leave a comment. It won't hurt you. It'll help me. If you're listening on Spotify, please give a rating and follow me over there. I'd really, really appreciate it. As always, all of my social medias can be found in the comments down below. And while you are down there, there's also a link on Spotify. If you like what I'm doing over here and you want to help support me in the show, that is the link that you can do it through. And that is all that I have for you guys this week. We will talk next Monday. Bye.